0: I'm going to shortcut my argument by speaking, but it's funny that uh, it, this feels as a slang, especially because people are comfortable being silent in, in front of each other and just looking.
1: Hey, Gilbert, how's it going?
2: Hey, Sam, it's going well going quite well Not, uh, rodrigo i just caught caught the end of it. it so it sounds like you know you're saying people here are comfortable oh, yeah. staring into each other's eyes silently
1: <laughs> yeah how's it going everybody
3: All right. good thanks, thanks. So, um, I actually have a question. I guess to start it off, um, if, I, if I may. Uh, in most sure. recently, in my in my practice sessions, I started noticed like a feeling of uh, almost like tinnitus, uh, like ringing my ears. And uh, I don't think that I'm developing tinnitus because the feeling goes away when I stop practicing. So, and it's interesting in the sense that it feels like it, um, almost like grows in intensity. Uh, the more focused I become on the meditative object I breath, uh, if I kind of like lose sensation and, uh, focus on the the sound itself, then it actually kind of lowers the intensity. And so, uh, I'm only i guess approximately in page four according to ted in the last session um i don't know if this is like a, a, an example of like pacifying senses or not or like well how would you classify uh, this phenomenon
1: um it, it sounds like it sounds like the inner sound to me because you said you don't hear when you're not meditating right
3: I mean, there's like a very occasional circumstance like in my daily life where I have like, you know, a sound of like ringing my ears spontaneously, but like nothing like as consistent as because it is, it is, it is a growing sound of tinnitus, which eventually, which kind of like grows in intensity if if I, if I focus better, which is interesting to me. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's like, it's like a definite tone. It doesn't vary in sound. Yeah.
1: Is it like pleasant or unpleasant? Neutral. I, I could ignore it.
3: It's, it doesn't, it doesn't really like like drown out everything around me like I'm still able to hear like background sounds over it, but it's just like it is present at the same time as like other background sounds. I, I would imagine, my understanding is that it, it should be which drowns out outside sound right to help me like focus better if, I'm, if I understand like, you know, when I write correctly, but it doesn't really seem to be the case. It's just a sound which is present consistently. And it's happened like maybe two or three
1: times yeah yeah it's interesting um michael was talking about um some similar pacification stuff last week and it normally doesn't happen until later but um i don't think it's unheard of for uh the pacification stuff to start in stage four it's just not very common sure i mean um, go ahead sorry eventually that sound um, will like drown out other stuff. So um, it basically, uh, (laughs) it's like your mind getting on board, you know, like your auditory submind sort of participating in the process in a way.
3: Yeah, it's frequently a case when I, um, when I'm meditating, I have music just playing my head or like interrupting like my meditation session. And it's very annoying because I can't stop it sometimes. So I I guess this is nice. It's better than uh, hearing music. So yeah, I I just thought it was interesting because I I, I agree, like I I thought that the classification census type thing would be something which would happen like more advanced along the the stages. So I was just surprised that this is really what's happening, yeah, so. David, uh, does the
0: music you hear it's like an, an earworm that keeps playing in your yeah. head. Yeah. yeah.
3: I'm, I'm, like, I'm a huge music fan and sometimes it'll just be like a specific like song loop or like a piece of a song which like keeps playing over and over and over again in my head or like an instrumental piece and I just like can't stop it sometimes. Yeah, so yeah
1: sometimes I have I get...
0: yeah. Sorry, go on. I have the, the exact same thing for the last okay. I don't know two months. And I've learned to ignore it, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's annoying, especially because it's the same song over and over and over.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that one thing I've learned from reading, um, I forget what chapter it was, maybe it's like for stage five in Mind Illuminated is that one of the things you recommend um, is kind of like expanding your focus of awareness to uh, encompass your entire body if you can, because like when you like just have the physical sensations of your body, uh, just trying to like keep that sensation in your head kind of like I guess I like crowds out other feelings and I think he, he makes that he he says that in reference to like like dullness I think but I feel like if you're just trying to just crowd out your awareness as much as possible that might help as well for music but to be honest actually um I haven't really had it happen that recently I have had definitely happened in the past so so yeah
4: yeah so I, I can jump in a little bit because I've had that quite a lot especially like it really annoyed me when I was in like stage six. It was, I was like, ah, oh, subtle distraction. But um, what, I don't know. I, it never really worked for me to like try to crowd it out. But it might work for you. What what really worked for me was sort of like try to sense like uh, if there are any subtle emotions there. And uh, there, there's one other trick that someone mentioned to me, uh, which I try for other things, but not for this. But it's like if you're hearing that song, try to see um, who is um, lis- like who is listening to that song and where that eye is, like where you are listening to that. And um, sometimes that sort of just dissolves. Like you, you might be able to have a physical sensation that corresponds to the eye. And once that eye sort of dissolves, the, the song might also just sort of go away. Like, I don't know. So for me, it never worked like forcefully to like get rid of it. And, uh, but I don't know, maybe, maybe other people will have more success with that.
0: Yeah, I've, I've kind of given up of getting rid of it because I've tried, I've tried paying, paying attention to it. I've tried ignoring it. I tried I don't know, thinking of about a different song and it never worked. So I just learned to ignore it. It It, 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 it is not a problem for me because uh, I'm not uh, stage six yet, but it just plays in the background. So it's not really.
5: Um, I had that for about three years. And it finally did just on its own go away. So.
0: Yeah, that 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 makes me hopeful three yeah. years of Song in my
5: head, and it was never music I liked. That I cannot understand why it couldn't be something that I liked. At least,
3: Uh, one other thing I've also noticed recently in my meditation sessions is that um, when I sit down for about an hour period. some some first part of that meditation session is like almost totally lost to like dullness i feel like, like i definitely have sensations of like leaning forward and then coming back up and maybe like i want to i actually don't track the time so i don't know this is a total estimate but 20 to 30 minutes after that period of like intense illness then i have like pretty good mindfulness when like i can actually like focus for you know the rest of the session whatever 30 or 40 minutes i'm sitting down and so I'm wondering, like, I actually, in the last session, I'm thinking if I drank coffee before sitting down, and I still have experienced, like, this pretty intense illness at, at first. So I don't know, is, is this something that I can, like, is this, is this a product of, like, me not getting enough sleep, or is this something that I, maybe I can uh, somehow work through, through, like, increasing awareness if I just, like, catch it earlier? I know that, like, last time we talked about uh, subtle dullness, but it's just strange that I I almost I can recognize that I'm out of it, but there's like a deficit where I just like don't even like you know feel like mindfulness for. It's just like blank in my head. Uh,
0: personally, I, I don't know. I think Sam said something about this uh, last week about uh, dullness being indication of something else, but. For me, well, first, the, the coffee thing, uh, i tried that, that and Ted himself said that uh, Chuladasa doesn't encourage using coffee to, to fight donuts because you, you don't okay. learn to, to deal with it. Uh, but yeah, I have the same experience. In, in the beginning, my my session donut usually set in, and I, I've noticed that sometimes that relates to sleep, but sometimes it's, it's part of the, the, the session. And as soon as I get up, I'm not sleepy anymore. So Gilbert has something to say.
2: Well, and it's it's important not to see that the experience of dullness uh, means that you're doing something wrong in your practice because um, there are periods there where you're clearly sort of deepening your practice and then it like pretty heavy dullness comes up. And then you kind of just got to... Sit with it, apply the antidotes, um, and it could sort of start to break up. Um, and actually, one thing that sometimes happens, of course, is as it breaks up, it opens up a little bit. Uh, you jump jump into kind of like a purification, because and that that is a tip, uh, particularly as you're going um, you know, whether it's stage four or even sort of uh, beyond stage four where um you know you're constantly working with sort of the energy level of the mind the one thing that the mind does it will try to like down regulate a little bit because it wants to avoid something it wants to not experience something something's kind of coming up and you know the mind's like oh kind of shut down so so yeah just because you're experiencing dullness like does not you know just like don't evaluate your practice because of the experience of dullness but just the big thing is know that you're experiencing dullness, apply the antidotes.
3: I mean, I don't really feel like any like strong emotional way about having experienced dullness. I just recognize that like, whoa, like, um, you know, compared to how I feel in this present moment, which is a very mindful, like, like there's a, a period that I just went through when I wasn't really mindful and I don't really know what happened during that period. I just know that like I'm out of it at that point, And that previous to that, I was at somehow at like, some level of delta. So I just think it's interesting that you know, it's, it's, I, I am sitting down and meditating quote unquote, but I just, it's just indirectly like how I, I could be like so lost for that period. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So. And and you can see how, you know, so it sounds like right there, that's like, uh, you know, progressive uh, growth dullness, right? Where you, you can kind of, you start, it's coming on and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, like I'm really losing mindfulness and now I'm like kind of mind wandering. And I was like, okay, hold, bring, and then maybe in the Zen lurch, it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. Bring it up a little bit.
3: I think it's interesting that you make it sound almost like a defense mechanism or something where my mind doesn't wanna like do the work. So instead, it just goes to sleep uh, with the purification thing. I haven't considered that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's um, so what it's, it's it, like, what, what we're trying to do is to be more awake, to be yeah. more present and more, but there are reasons why like that the mind is not naturally this awake present and in part it's because it's got all this defilements and stuff and it just want it's and it's and it's kind of stupid right like it just wants more pleasure in what it in pleasure in these like you know extreme ways but then it doesn't it doesn't realize that sometimes it doesn't really want that right that there's uh sometimes the the pleasure is like too much and so it kind of uh it down regulates there's a lot of uh what the mind does it's like either distraction or dullness is like how the mind kind of copes with you know just all of the the craving all of the aversion and the delusion so yeah but you know in in the practice and tmi you're just kind of you're working through the steps and as you're working through the steps you are building up foundational skills which does start even from the very beginning kind of start kind of Transforming and changing the way the mind works, um, and one of those things is like, okay, let me let me learn how to operate at a higher level of just alertness and, and presentness.
0: Yeah, sometimes I feel like uh, the practice, especially especially in stage four, you you are really learning to, to walk a fine line. And you have distractions on one side and dullness on the other. And if you step outside the line on, on one side, you get distracted. And then, then you try to go back to the other side. And then you get dullness. And you start learning to walk straighter. And and yeah, I, I, I've learned to, to, I don't know, to accept that part of practice. But it is what it is. Yeah,
2: yeah so because... And, and that balance kind of changes over time and it gets kind of more subtler, subtler. But when you're first starting to practice, like, you know, too much energy level of the mind and like it's it's racing, it's agitated and it's just all over the place. Uh, too little and it's just dullness, right? And then as you're going, you're like, okay, wait, we need um, energy level of the mind, but it's got to be a relaxed energy, right? And so you're constantly, you know, navigating, you know, not... And, and a lot of actually that navigating is, like, you notice when you're going um, too far to one direction, right? If you're going too far to the dullness, you're like, okay, wait, we got to bring up the energy level of the mind. If you're getting, like, agitated or um, racing, it's like, okay, wait, wait you got you to gotta calm things down a little bit. Yeah, that,
0: that calm energy is the, the key.
6: Does anyone have any other question, Comment. Well, I am dealing with dullness too, but it tends to come up late in the session for me. I'll be pretty stable and clear early on. And then in the last 15 or 20 minutes, I'll really have a struggle with dullness. Then That's an hour long session, like David said.
0: I'm uh, wrong stage.
6: Five?
5: Are Yeah, I'm working on stage five. So I've been having uh I've been working with this um balance between energy and dullness um a bit lately. Some of my sits are very much almost exclusively that and I think I maybe a little bit more on the too much energy side, but where I try to kind of relax into it, but then can sometimes overshoot and get the dullness. And um, and I've noticed that it can be a little bit of a game because I feel like I can kind of put myself in a place where the energy kind of settles. Or I can do things that ramp up the energy, but that it's. I kind of started noticing that it was just gonna be a um, constant fidgety game if I tried to keep um, intention, consciously, intentionally, you know, trying to aim for that right spot. And um, then it was like, oh, um, there's craving in there and, um, and lack of equanimity and that by just working on the equanimity the rest seem to naturally balance out a lot better. It doesn't mean that it's still possible to go one direction or the other but it doesn't become a game anyway or something like that i don't know if that's one thing to consider that there's something outside of the dullness energetic balance that might be helpful
2: well i i think it's it's it just gets subtler right like um when you start off it doesn't feel like a game at all like because you're like you you're you might be dealing with dullness, so much dullness all the time, right? And yeah. so then you're like, okay. And then it's kind of that, that balance starts to come, you know, where you're going from the extremes, uh, you know, maybe stage, more like stage five, I would think, stage five, six, like yeah. you're, you know, you're kind of, but then as you get further and further, um, another thing actually, then you you, you kind of just more notice and then the power is in the noticing, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you, you know, you. If the more that you just notice what's going on, and if you notice, oh yeah, I'm getting race, you know, I'm kind of getting racy and energetic, and, and it you relax with it, and then things just start to drop, right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing if there's, same thing actually with a dullness. If you're like getting the dullness, you're like, oh, okay, you, you notice the dullness, and then there's there's ways that you can kind of let go of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but it's, it's just that um, because things get subtler, It could sound almost like completely different. And maybe it is, but I don't know, maybe it's not. Like, I think it is just, it just, uh, um, I mean, there's a a way that you don't really have control of your mind. (laughs)
5: Actually, yeah, that's, and um, with equanimity, the attempts to control it go away and you just left with the intentions. Yeah, and that simplifies things a little.
2: But that's then. But that's more for like advanced. Like, don't worry about like. Yeah, you're not in control of your mind like too much if you're in the earlier stages. You know, because it's it'll confuse
0: people. Like, that's a
5: very very good point. It's just that my attention is actually very much kind of almost like a stage three. Sometimes when it's like this too, but it's a strange. Yeah. I, I see the point.
0: Yeah, the overshooting thing, Harry. Uh, sometimes I, I, I don't know if you guys have played that game of you have a, a rocket ship and you have uh, thrusters to side the sides and up and down and you mm-hmm. have to stabilize the ship and sometimes if you activate the thruster too, too much to one side and the ship goes away and... Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it feels as if you have to, to put too much effort to bring it to, to the middle. And as you progress, it gets subtler, as Gilbert said. And you have mm-hmm. to just make micro adjustments. And sometimes you can see the ship wandering to one side. And then you make just knowing yeah. uh, sometimes just noting the, that it is wandering. It's enough to, to bring it to to the right side. Yeah. But uh, in some cases, I think... Uh, because he's experiencing dullness at the end of the session, maybe it's more of an uh, efforting thing, because uh, for me, at least, it's very hard to to keep my diligence and not be efforting, and mm-hmm. I, I notice that I can get tired. I don't know if, if that's your case, Tom, but uh, sometimes when I get dullness at the end of the session, I know okay, I'm have I've probably efforting too much, or maybe I'm just I don't know. I'm just practicing at a level that is slightly higher than I'm capable of right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know if if that's their case or not. Could be. For
5: me, it's um, just being a little all over the place. Um, and yeah, and there there's something related to efforting, but it's also craving. You know, where I think craving results in efforting but it's so subtle because I can't even really feel the efforting it's like the rocket boosters are there and turned on and there's nothing I can do about it (laughs) Um, but yeah
0: Tom you were going to say something?
6: Um, I, I thought that fatigue toward the end of the session might be what I was dealing with and I mentioned that last week and Ted said, it could be, but it could also be that, you know, you're coming to the end of your session and your mind is just saying, ah, we're almost done. I'm just going to relax and go to sleep. (laughs) So I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah. Um, The diligence part to keep the the whole session in diligence is tricky. Sometimes I notice that I have, I I even uh, reduced the time of my session just so I, I can not stop it before, before the bell rings, because sometimes if I get in that, in that space, I, I, oh, this is almost over, I don't have to do much, then the rest of my session is usually, ah, I can get up and go do something else. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to, to okay, I'll, I'll, I'll reduce my time, but I do it to the end, and at least in, in some cases that helped, but some t- cases I, I feel like I, I'm being just lazy um uh, i'm not sure also sorry go
3: ahead Uh, i was going to ask how often are you attempting to increase the time for your sits um i I recently tried to increase the time from an hour to like an hour and five minutes and an hour and ten minutes and i find that by gradually increasing the time that i am sitting like it's difficult towards the end but i guess that's where like that active battle of trying to like maintain awareness when you feel really restless is like where like a lot of like good work get done, I guess.
6: Yeah. I went from 45, 48 minutes uh, three or four weeks ago to an hour, and I've been at an hour for a couple of weeks now. And I'm feeling pretty good about that time length. It's just I have more dullness toward the end of the session. I think I'm going to try to use Carrie's approach of working on equanimity to try and just let the elements be there and uh, see what effect that has.
3: Carrie, I think your
0: uh, mic is muted. Uh, Gilbert, you were going to say something. Oh, Carrie, your mic is muted. Your
2: your your mic is muted.
5: Oops, oh, sorry. Um. Yeah, I was just saying. When I do hit the dullness, I do kind of have to um, I do have to encounter the antidote. It's equanimity that prevents me from getting there in the fir- or it prevents me from having to do the kind of exercise that relaxes me and pushes me in that direction. That kind of settles the rocket boosters without taking me into dullness. I guess is what the equanimity was doing. But um, you
6: still use the antidotes.
5: If I if I hit dullness, um, I either apply the antidotes or stop the relaxation, or the settling techniques that I do because if um, when there is dullness, it can. Um, if it's progressive, I should say, um, it, it, it'll just, you know, keep going.
3: Carrie, do you have an intention that you hold in your mind before you sit down to meditate? Sorry, what? Do you have like an intention that you hold in your mind when you sit down to meditate? Like for, for me, for example, I, I always, my intention when I sit down is like maintain introspective awareness and, you know, pay attention to the sensations of the breath. I shorten that to, like, you know, uh, introspective awareness, breath, yes. uh, during the session, and, and whenever I uh, have periods of, like, high energy, like how you're describing, and, and I recognize that, and I bring myself back to, you know, focusing my breath, I then repeat that, like, intention at, at that moment of, like, awareness as a way of, like, recentering myself, kind of, but so um, it's, it's, like, a way of, like, reminding myself, like, what to be focusing on, so it might be helpful.
0: Tom, in your case, is it a uh, progressive, subtle dullness, or is it strong dullness already?
6: Uh, <clears throat> it starts out as subtle, but it very quickly turns to strong dullness. And then I you know I wiggle my toes and wake myself back up and uh, it just keeps going up and down, you know.: But are you able to de- detect when it, it, it's still subtle? Sometimes or and I try to correct for it when it's still subtle, but I don't always catch it.
2: Well, dullness at the end end of a sit, particularly if you've just increased the sit, right, a couple weeks ago, that's very natural. Um, and even if actually you had a consistent pattern of, of, of getting a dullness at the end of the sit, that that's still um fine. Like uh as, as, I mean, as long as you're, 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 you know, you're diligently practicing, you're not doing what Ted said, which most likely you're not. Um, and yeah, most likely you're not. And so, you know, that, there's many reasons you can kind of get tired at the end of the sit. And actually, like, that, that's that, for many uh, long periods of your practice. Actually, that can be good that you kind of got tired at the end of the sit because like, yeah, no, you were, you know, diligently applying yourself. There is point, right? As, as particularly as you're getting to at least trying to get to like stage seven to start trying to like you know drop the effort, then then yeah, you you kind of also want to be not over efforting. Um, but and yeah, like another cause for dullness is just um, well, it's kind of a purification actually, right? Um, stuff kind of coming up, particularly I think you know another stage seven type of thing where. Um, you know, deeper levels that didn't, and deeper levels of a material that didn't kind of get purified, and as you're kind of dealing with all the, you know, uh, strange emotions or strange energy currents and things like that, like there's, you know, you can easily get a reaction of uh, a dullness, right? Because dullness and um, aversion are are very closely linked.
6: <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to deal with this. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Makes so. Thanks, Gilbert.
3: Tom, do you ever try uh, meditating while standing up or any of the other things that Kula Dasa mentioned as far as uh, like Uh, this?
6: I had a pretty good walking practice going a month or so ago, and I've uh, let that lapse. I need to get that going again. Thank you for reminding me of that.
3: I I tried that once myself, and I lasted like maybe five, five, seven minutes before I was like, I can't do that anymore. And then I sat back down again. Yeah, it was a very strange feeling, standing up with my eyes closed trying to meditate.
6: Well, I, I usually do walking. I haven't tried standing very much. I, I watched the Zhang Zhuang uh, video on YouTube, you know, the standing meditation, the Chinese thing. I, I tried that one time and didn't really feel like it was very productive for me. So I haven't done it again.
1: I have a general
3: question for you guys how often do you try to maintain like meditative practice in your daily life and do you feel as though like just trying to be as mindful as possible like off the cushion that contributes to like progress when you're actually uh like focusing or doing like a, a dedicated sit like I try when I go through my day at my job whenever I have, have like off moments I try to remind myself to like uh focus my breath because because I, I from, from like what I've listened to like uh, in various interviews and stuff with like these meditative guru guys, like they, they recommend trying to like keep that feeling of, you know, mindfulness awareness going as much as possible throughout the day, because it's not just like just during your sit, right?
5: I found that it was kind of hard to sustain a conscious deliberate intention. Um, when I actually was experimenting with that, but I found that doing the mindful review, um, particularly in the evening, do it really kind of sitting with it, mm-hmm. um, kind of just reinforced all the intentions that are most relevant to whatever happened that day in a very positive way so that I could actually start watching new intentions kind of at play in everyday life Um, quite quickly. And just the popping up into my mind, you know, spontaneously, or as I feel like I'm trying to get enough done in the day that trying to force it wasn't working, but to, you know, spend the time reflecting just kind of set me up to do it a little more naturally if that makes any sense
2: I, I would recommend get yeah, trying to practice in the background when it's easy whenever you find a moment and, and like don't don't bring the same intensity of practice you know because it's it's hard I mean unless you can you know you have enough space most of the time you don't and, and it could be too much pressure. But um, as you're walking from, you know, maybe your car, even to, you know, getting to the store or whatever, or even as you're driving or something, um, or washing dishes or, or or something, right? Something that's it's it's pretty easy. You could do like a basic, just trying to be aware of the breath a little bit, or be aware of the sensation. Just yeah, I I personally found that super helpful, um, and also just calming and kind of relaxing and and and. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that, um, by itself, I mean, if you get in the habit of that, that seems to be very beneficial. Um, and one other thing related to that, being aware of the breath or also just like being aware of the body kind of, cause that's, we, we can easily get so caught up in our heads and, and thoughts and like disconnected yeah. with our body. So that's one thing about being aware of the breath. Your breath is part of your body, you know, being aware of, yeah. So, um, you know, I, 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 yeah, it's it's very recommended. Uh, Chuladasa recommends it, It's um, definitely in the book. And so, yeah, do what you I can. I
3: literally do a denoting, like whenever I have a thought, I say the word thought as I'm walking around to just try and like, you know, have helpful thought pass away faster. And then uh, I then focus on my breath as well. Whenever I'm like walking to like get coffee or like, you know, like as you mentioned, like a store or something, almost like meditation-like, because I just figure that like, you know, the more time, under that, like, you know, mindset that faster factor would help me you know, progress from actually sitting on the cushion, I guess.
0: Yeah, the, the being aware of the body that Gilbert said, I think it really works for me. Uh, I've been listening to an audio book by Judith. I have it here. Judith. Judith Blackstone realization process and she has, she was a dancer and she had some problems and should develop a lot of, of exercises for awareness of the body and the energy in the body, I find it really helpful to, to connect to, to the awareness of the body during the day. And uh, because sometimes, even the walking meditation that Tom was, was talking about, I, I, I've, done that, I've done that a lot, but with a different technique. And sometimes I, I miss the, the feeling of, of paying attention to my foot on the ground. And it's it's really helpful to, during the day, sometimes you, you are on the line or you are walking somewhere and you can just pay attention to the feeling of the foot on the ground and the micro adjustments your body do. It's, it's really helpful.
2: And one thing I'll say about the noting um, is that, I mean, if you're gonna practice noting, try to do it in a soft way, um, like because what's easy? We, we kind of tend to and easily be very rigid in our minds. There can be, um, you know, a lot of craving in there, a lot of aversion. So whenever there's contact, you know, of, of with the sense object, there's so much craving and aversion with it. Um, and so when you're noting, like, it's so easy just, um, you know, particularly as you're starting out, just to be kind of harsh in it. And people actually don't really realize how harsh uh, or how much kind of aversion there is in their baseline kind of contact with, with different sensory objects. And so, like, people can be concentrating and, and you know, particularly, I, I see it a little bit more and it sounds like it seems like it's more with, with noting and stuff and there's just that harshness um and meanwhile with with shamatha and actually you know more shamatha than um than less like strict concentration because concentration again like that could have those connotations of a harshness and really, what you also want to be developing is a softness. Um, I think meta is really great for developing that softness, or even being aware of the body tends to, you know, tends to develop that softness um, because you, you know, you start noticing kind of tensions and stuff, and you kind of relaxing the body helps to relax the mind. Um, so that's just one of those things because I, I always like to say um, when people talk about like noting, and you can do noting in a very soft way, in a very um, I like how Shinsen describes it. I think he, uh, like, you know, you try to, whatever you note, you uh, try to kind of sink in to it, sink into the object. Um, and there's like a little bit, try to have like a little pause around it. Um, and so there's that equanimity co- component. Um, and and that's, you know, that's different um, than, like I said, you try to note with a harsh, like, and like keep on noting. And then maybe if I noted, it, it goes away. Um,
3: can, can, uh, I would like you to elaborate a little bit on that more. So like when, when, I, uh, when I do noting, uh, I initially what I did was I would just say the word thought uh, in my head whenever I would have a thought or notice that uh, with the intention of just like helping that experience just pass away. Um, I, I never really got into things like labeling because I, I didn't want to get too distracted by that. Uh, it sounds oh. like from what you're saying, it's more about like the emotional context behind the noting. Like if you say, if you use noting to like bury down you know a potential like purification or something coming up to make it go away because you don't want to deal with it or like if you or like you're too busy just like fo- just forcing yourself to focus on your breath is is that like in the context that you're talking about well talking?
2: and I, I i apologize that I wasn't directly speaking to exactly your situation yeah, yeah. um um i was because i didn't I didn't listen enough to what you were talking about right that okay um but but some people it, it was kind of maybe a direction you could be thinking about. But some people rec- you recommend oh intense almost twenty four seven noting, right? And, yeah, I,
3: I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, and, and it's supposed to help you enter like stream entry faster or something. If you like, because it helps you realize like who is the person you know thinking. If you if you just you know constantly like note all your thoughts away or something, right?
2: You yeah, know? and it it well that's that's what they say. But of course, it also yeah. comes with it like. A whole bunch of you know chaotic stuff because you're you're you're, you're trying to use this one tool and you like almost um if you power up this one one tool and you keep on and it becomes like almost can become like a sledgehammer or something like that
3: sure. um and yeah I, I very emotionally destabilizing apparently if you just yeah exactly, yeah exactly exactly
0: yeah and i think there is a component to noting that sometimes may lead to that harshness that you can know, notice something with a certain type of aversion as if you, you didn't want it to be there. So sure. at the same time, you notice it you and you label it or whatever, and you kind of push it away. And I think that that, that movement of noting and pushing it away can create that, that kind of tension yeah. because especially if, if things started going faster, that tension uh, starts to build up and it can lead to that, that harshness that Gilbert is talking about. Yeah, but it evidence... is. Kevin... Oh, sorry. sorry. No, I, I, I just Kevin made, made a movement. He seemed to have something to say.
7: Yeah, I just wanted to jump in. Something that I actually worked on a little bit this week and a bit last week was like the whole off the cushion. I've tried to maintain general awareness and, and all of that constantly. And that can be a challenge. But What I started doing that was kind of cool this week was connecting aversion triggers during the day with the Lester Levinson exercise and practice that Ted mentioned last week. So I kind of resolved in my mind, okay, I may not be able to maintain constant awareness and all this, but let me at least try and recognize when I'm really triggered, when aversion, when someone's really pissing me the heck off and work with that. And you know, I don't know about you all, but that happens to me frequently enough during the day That it's kind of a cool practice. So like if, you know, know, it's been happening to me all weeks, like someone really is bugging me or some memory comes up that really bugs me. I resolved during the week that every time someone pissed me off or some memory came up that really pissed me off, I wasn't going to let it go. I was going to work love on it. And I was going to do that Lester Levinson practice that Ted talked about. And you know what? It's freaking awesome. You know, I mean I would be dealing with people and normally I'd be all ah, you know, and I would be causes and conditions, I'd hit the feedback loop, I'd be giving that energy back and causing more bad crap. And I'd be like, oh wait, no, before I talk, before I react, work the love in there. And now I may not be able to generate radiant lovely love every time, but if I could just get back to a state of neutral guess what? That's a heck of a lot better than old Kevin. You know what I'm saying? So for off the cushion, I set myself a ridiculously low standard. You know, at first I was trying to be like, oh, equanimous all the time. No, for me anyway, don't be aversive all the time. That's my, that's my beginning baseline. And I don't know about you all, but it's been a really interesting week.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's as if the, the version works as, as a reminder bell. Every time the bell rings, you OK. I have to be mindful. And it, you, as you get into the habits, it, it starts happening automatically. And I think it, it, it's a really good practice also. Gilbert, you were going to say something I interrupted. You. Oh, OK. Colin, is this your first time?
8: It's my first time here. Yeah,
2: hello everyone. All right, welcome. Hey, just being quiet. You have any questions about your practice, or you know, especially as a newcomer?
8: No, not really. Um, I was just sort of uh, keeping my nose out of things, uh, observing the format, um, that sort of thing. But no, no pressing questions uh, on my mind
5: at all, really.
6: Welcome, Colin. Thank you. I have a question about uh, another practice I'm considering. Uh, what do you all know about pragmatic dharma? And the teacher, the particular teacher I'm interested in is Vince Horn.
2: Um, well, say, say So you're interested, I mean, um, uh, say a little bit more about like your question, I guess, right? So okay. how best can we help you how best can we help you in your <clears throat> questioning?
6: Okay, so I'm working along here on my TMI practice, and I really like TMI. I like the guidance and the structure. and I'm feeling a little bit stuck on stage five, and that may be premature. Maybe I just need to give it a year. <laughs> you know I don't know how long but um, I'm feeling a little stuck and I've been poking around on the internet and looking at different uh, teachers and practices and you know there are seem to be a whole lot of them but this pragmatic Dharma it's a kind of a secularization of Buddhism that's uh, focused on, this is a mental technology and all we have to do is follow the rules and and do the practice and see the results. And so I'm hoping that I can get some help with working my way through the the level of dullness I seem to be dealing with. It it feels like there ought to be some mental maneuver I could do that would move me away from dullness and toward more vividness and clarity. Um, So I guess I'm, I'm wanting to explore, but I don't want to go down dead ends if somebody else knows that, uh, you know, this is uh, not really a good, this won't be helpful to you, you know, and I know nobody can know that with certainty, but uh, there are some things out there, some other organizations and teachers that, you know, I read about them and just immediately get the sense uh, this isn't going to be helpful. I don't want to pursue that, but I have a, a pretty good feeling about pragmatic Dharma and this one I'm interested in and just want to hear if anybody else has had any experience with it or knows anything about it.
2: So I, I know he had a podcast. I think he's, he's still doing the podcast um, Buddhist geeks. I've listened to quite a bit of those episodes and um, so he, and he's a facilitator of that, right? So he's talked to a lot of teachers um, and he's kind of, um, pragmatic Dharma associated kind of with Daniel Ingram. And, and actually, I mean, I think he's probably, um, you know, everything I've seen, like he probably should be a good teacher. Um, okay. I've nothing, I've never seen him or heard anything like to, to, to think otherwise. Um, you know, he'll, he'll have his sort of perspective, but I mean, every teacher kind of has their own perspective and way of languaging things. And, yeah. um, yeah i mean and if you have like the time availability resources to work one-on-one with the teacher i mean that by itself is is very beneficial um yeah just to receive that kind of that, that coaching um and then the other thing you mentioned was the you know and because not wanting to get stuck and um you know stage five and um you know there are periods where like the, the practice can can feel kind of dry uh yeah i mean that's that's i don't know i think that's the case that maybe everyone's experienced but um i know i have and and i think just kind of keep keeping going is what's worked for me but i don't know what what other people think or no
4: yeah so tom um i mean mean, i'm gonna ask a different question like why do you think you're stuck like um you said you've been struggling with dullness right is it subtle dullness or gross dullness because i feel like in stage five you're
6: mainly working with subtle dullness right supposed to be, but uh, so early on in my sit, I'll feel, uh, I'll feel like I can do the stage five practice and I can feel my uh, sense of the breath getting clearer and more vivid. And then toward the end, uh, first it'll start out as subtle dullness and be progressive and then pretty quickly, it'll be strong dullness and uh, so I'll keep checking in and trying to push it back and wake up and raise the energy and uh, it just gets to be a real struggle there toward the end.
4: So when you say stage five practice, I assume you mean body scanning?
6: Uh, Body scanning, lately I've just been intending to make the vividness of the breath increase. You know, just holding that intention, and I can see that happening earlier on in the practice, in in the session, Um, and then also doing some body scanning. But I've been lately, I've been emphasizing just trying to increase the clarity and vividness of the breath. But it's working. And early (laughs) on in the.
2: yeah no, but and so as as you increase the conscious power of the mind right like it you're using some kind of like muscles right and some effort um you know, and actually it's working and then it you know makes sense and it's it's chida talks about it, he's talked about it in talks like where you get tired afterwards like kind of as a result of that a- effort, but then you still apply the antidotes and that again um, is is also a part of building your 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 muscles, so to
6: speak yeah. So I just need to be patient and not get bored.
4: Well, yeah, um, there, there's like, so yeah, like Gilbert said, it's definitely working if you're able to get more vividness. And so when the subtle progressive dullness comes up, are you able to detect that before it becomes strong, um, gross dullness? Sometimes, not always. Okay, so what you can try is like, um, like one possibility is just like the antidote is not strong enough. like. I know it sounds frustrating, but like you just gotta sometimes apply them all. Like, I, I have like uh, chronic fatigue. So, like, I've, I've had moments where I stood up and meditated, I clenched my muscles at the same time and opened my eyes. And sometimes it would not, like, sometimes strong dullness would still hit me. But like this, you, you sometimes you just gotta apply. It. Like, like, if you're going into strong dullness, either you need more sleep. Or maybe your mind is getting tired, or, um, or you n- might need to try a stronger antidote.
6: I had some life issues this past week that I think are contributing. And once life calms back down, I think they'll, that'll be better. I just had the thought to sit for 40 minutes and then stand up and walk for 20 minutes. Would that be a reasonable way to approach it?
1: Yeah,
0: I think I so. Uh, I've I've tried. I've had my my I don't know six months long of dullness training, and it was awful. And one of the things that may, might be happening to you that also happened to me is that once I reached stage five, it was such a relief because oh, finally I'm I'm out of that mass of distraction and dullness. And after a while, I, because of different reasons, I went back to dullness and to distraction, and it was frustrating. And when you say you, you feel stuck, sometimes it might be some frustration because you weren't getting uh, by the end of the session as you were getting in the beginning. And I think there is there are two things that you, you might uh, want to do. One is that, as Gilbert said, you were Exercising those muscles, and as you you increase your your mindfulness power, you you can get longer and longer in the session without the dullness. But on the other hand, you can maybe try to make it, to make it more efficient. Uh, I I don't know if you if you read Ted's post on intention release, uh, intentional release, and observe, and yeah. sometimes the the use of intention can be too hard, and you as if you were spending your energy too fast. And with the intention release, observe, you, you use a little bit and then you observe and use a little bit more. And that might be enough to make it, you go through the whole session. So maybe try something like that. Try not to overuse your intention to to keep it at the, the breath all the time, like 100%, but maybe just relax a little bit and intention, release, observe, then, then again. And the, I I, I can't say much about the, the Vincent Carr teaching because I've not experienced, I've listened to his podcast also, but one of of the things that I've, uh, I've, I think I've saw him speaking about is about Ken Wilber. And I particularly like Ken Wilber. So there's also that, I don't know if it, it makes any difference, but, yeah.
6: No. Thank you.
2: Well, and in terms of anti dullness postures, in some ways, I think standing meditation is, uh, I think, can be, can well, yeah, frequently or can, can be very, very strongly kind of anti dullness. It, it can also be very, very unpleasant, um, you know, but that's kind of also part of it too. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah but that's just something to kind of t- throw out there I mean it does get more pleasant' because you learn to drop the resistance to it mm. um and it, yeah it, it does definitely require a certain level of alertness um you might have to open your eyes um you know yeah I've been opening
6: open my eyes yeah so you don't you don't that well, helps
2: well, that if you're standing too right, wouldn't want you to you know fall down, oh right, right, right?
6: <laughs> yeah,
8: this or happened to me. Fall? once I, uh, I was sitting through some dullness and I decided to stand up. I didn't realize my left leg had kind of fallen asleep, so I was standing up with my eyes closed and about, at I don't know, 45 degrees, I realized I was falling over. <laughs> so yeah, be careful with that. <laughs> eyes open for uh, for standing up is probably a good plan. <laughs>
2: Thank yeah, you, Colin. With, with the standing up, like, I mean, I'll notice, particularly if there's dullness, um, you know, I, I can start feeling kind of sick or start heat or start sweating and stuff. It's like, wait a minute, why, you know, if I think about it, this shouldn't be happening, but those are also of course, uh, you know, things that the body can do kind of a, as like purification-y type stuff, particularly more stage seven. But, but yeah, as you're rising up from some levels of dullness, you can have like your body, you know, doing different things. Uh, but those do, um, Sort of mellow out and smooth out. Um, But yeah, I mean, that is in in, um, Tai Chi. Tai Chi, they talk about how the standing pose, particularly, um, you know, can be one of the most uh, powerful ways to to raise the energy level of, like, you know, the, the, the body mind system.
6: I want to look at this article you sent, Gilbert. I'll save that for
2: later. Well, he just, yeah, just you keep on, you know, you keep on working against dullness and it's, I I think, and it seems over time, over time, I feel like you notice the benefits and, you know, over time being months and years and maybe decades. (laughs) I mean, but I haven't, I haven't been practicing for decades. I've been practicing for years and it has gotten better, but I still have dullness that, uh, you know, Subtle it goes to gross, but you just it's just an opportunity to practice and the skills you're using, applying the antidotes of incredibly useful skills in, in in life or just, you know, part of the overall training.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for all the good ideas and encouragement. I'll keep working with it.
3: Uh, Gilbert, I actually have a question for you. Uh, you mentioned practicing um, potentially meta before, so I've actually tried doing um, a couple of meta sessions, and I can't help shake the feeling that I'm doing it wrong because um, I try to. Uh, I understand. So I'm doing like the Quim Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation practice from like Dante. I'm gonna butcher his last name, but um, so so the general format is you know 10 minutes of like you know positive intention towards yourself, 20 minutes. or or, or I guess the first third positive intentions for yourself, the last two thirds positive intentions for someone else, the spiritual friend. I I can understand the format, but where I get lost is um, maintaining that feeling of like positive, warm uh, energy because I I seem to lack uh, the ability to tap into that warm, warm feeling. Like I I, I imagine, um, you know, hugging someone, being hugged. I have a hard time remembering a happy enough memory to generate that positive emotion. Badly enough, I guess, uh, but I, I am able to generate some some spark by by imagining the feeling of being hugged or hugging someone, and I try to maintain that feeling. But I I um I don't know I, I have a hard time like feeling like I'm doing anything. Um, does does that get to you, or does anyone here uh, have any tips for I guess meta practice more generally? Because I'm trying to do that as a compliment to my uh, TMI practice.
9: I would uh, recommend picking up um, the Sharon Salzberg book on loving kindness. Uh, she has a lot of books. Which one did you? Uh, um, pick? I think it's the revolutionary. Let me double check real quick, and I'll I'll get back to you. But she yes. does mention. Yes. Sure. Is, do you know what I'm talking about? Which one? I. am? No, I i try tried listening to some of her lectures on um on YouTube. Um. So she. She goes through exactly what you are mentioning and has lots of different exercises, which are are different, different um, um, focuses, like some are on equanimity, some are on forgiveness, some are on just yeah. generating, and actually one of the first exercises she has in the first chapter is um, kind of getting back in touch with what it's like to have feelings of love because we're so as a culture like closed down on that in that area so um definitely recommend getting that reading through the whole thing and then you'll probably be going like i am doing you'll probably be going back to it after you read through the first time and like going through the exercise and picking out different different things and uh and for right now one of the exercises she recommended for someone who was trying to generate love for himself and he couldn't think of a person who was a or he couldn't do it for himself so he imagined like um famous people or people that he admired like, sitting in a room and just wishing him good goodwill and saying nice things to him Um and that kind of helped him so there, there's different ways to, to kind of like I guess trick your mind a little bit I think someone sent the link yep Tom that's it so I recommend that book definitely
2: well the the one thing that happens when you have the intention, like a kind of a conscious intention that you're gonna try to add or apply to a situa- situation or a person or something. Um, you know, I want to be meta for this. Uh, what often, what will kind of arise, either it'll happen or there'll be, you'll meet whatever kind of blockage or, or, or the reasons that you feel like you can't be met uh, you can't feel that sort of that love for that person right and if you're trying to be like examples like you're trying to be loving to yourself it's like well i don't deserve love or you know and and most of the time it's not that sort of explicit right it's it's implicit um but but that is still very true like the the meta brings up all of the reasons why you feel at least you can't be loving and kind and then part of the practice is actually just working with what comes up and just trying to be just a little bit more accepting kind open loving um and so i love what kevin was talking about how you know he was saying like when he have aversion he, he applies that same principle, but for him, it's like, you know, the standard is just to be a little bit more neutral. And so that's that's that same basic thing, right? Because you're think of it as a continuum and you, if you're trying to move just a little bit more towards the, the, the neutral. If you're more aversion or if you're at neutral, just a little bit more to kind compassion. And then there are so, lots of different little tricks and stuff. Um, you can use memory. You can sort of uh, intentionally, sort of like imagine or fabricate sort of memories, and um, you know, like, uh, or you're not fabricated memory, but imagine. Use imagination to yeah. uh, to to think about situations or people or objects or like you know puppies if you love puppies, and you know, just the biggest thing is what you're 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 trying to do is yeah, not only move the scale but also to get more and more familiar of What that feels, what that feels like when you, you know, you, you, you let go a little bit of that aversion, you move a little bit more towards the love, and um, you know, and that's a very, very pleasant feeling. And the more that you, uh, your mind, you know, like the the greater, bigger mind, right, is able to to be conscious of that, it learns from it, it learns from it, and then it's like, oh wow, like it, it is pleasurable i am i am dropping kind of this this poison and then of course it's more likely to do that in your uh you know just going going about your life um so yeah it's it's incredibly beneficial uh practice to do it and and to make it as a practice um you know because we uh there's a lot of kind of uh, that, that aversion or, or stuff that you're you're trying you're trying to you have to counteract a lot of sort of conditioning um, to counteract right in order to be more open and accepting and loving and um, yeah and of course yeah yeah that's enough
3: I, I'm definitely sold on the benefits of the practice like I, I, I feel like I should be incorporating it more in, into my life but I guess it, what's been frustrating for me is just that I don't know like like how how much the blockages are for myself but i i feel like I, the moment that I, I try to start doing it i feel like i'm either faking it or like I, maybe i'm just too cynical or something or just like i'm not like really do, doing it for real and then i'm like oh that's not really happening like stop and i just get frustrated so yeah
2: and that, that's that that's that cynical that that is right there is like the thing yeah. that gets in the way that's cynical. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's not real. It's not authentic. Forget this practice, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's exactly. just you're just trying to move. Like I said, remember that. Imagine that continuum. There's aversion, and then there's like the neutral, and you're just moving it a little bit more. Just trying to be a little bit more kind. Um, yeah.
7: Hey, hey, David. Let me jump in real quick too, because I I noticed something myself. I was really surprised about two months ago. I sat down and and really decided I was gonna try to start to really do this meta thing. What I did was I made three columns, easy, neutral, and hard. And I put a bunch of names in the easy column, the neutral column, and the hard column, you know? That was a couple of months ago, and I would off and on be doing this meta thing. And then I lost track of the list, right? And so then over this last couple of weeks when I've been doing this other thing off the cushion, I pulled up this, this I found this list again Right. Like earlier this week, and I was really surprised because more than a few of the people that were in my hard column two months ago, when I really looked in my heart, they were like in the neutral and a few of them were in the easy column. And what I realized was I really suck at maintaining continuity about where I'm at and where I've changed over time. We're all like this. We're always constantly changing and you lose track of where you were six months ago, a year ago. So I feel your frustration because I was feeling it too. And it's not like I'm any expert or anything. I'm not advanced or nothing. I'm just trying to find ways to help myself keep the faith. And what I really found was I need these little cheesy tricks to help me keep the faith. And so if you're frustrated give it a shot and do three columns and then like check in every now and then and see if any of those names have shifted and you'll, I was surprised. And if I can do it, dude, like Nate, no, Nate, Nate knows me, man. We go back. He knows me. If I can shift stuff from the hard column to the medium column or the easy column, dude, you totally can too. I I guarantee it, man.
3: No, that's a great point. Um, it's very valid. The goalposts are always shifting as you're progressing. So it's good to have a, a reminder for, um, where you're at to really appreciate how far you belong No, It's very good.
6: Yeah, David, um, hey,
3: David. Sorry, go,
4: go ahead. ahead. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll go first. Thanks. Um, one more thing is, if you follow the TWiN method, um, what they suggest for people that can't do um, their meta like, easily, they suggest doing forgiveness meditation. And that's what um, they guide a lot of people through. They have, like a, they have a free book on it. and. They, they also teach that method. And for, for me, it really worked. It, um, I didn't realize how hard I was on myself and that was one of my blockages. So yeah, that's, that's sort of if you follow the twin method, that's what they suggest.
3: I actually haven't even heard of that That's surprising. So it's someone on their site that they have the book or something?
4: Yeah, they, they have, they have yeah. a bunch of free material. Like I think everything except their book for like uh, the Patsa Nibbana is free. Like uh, yeah, other like yeah, free
6: PDFs and um, yeah. No, I'll
3: definitely look into that.
4: Okay, thank you.
6: I just posted a link to the uh, page that describes the forgiveness. um,
3: Thank you, guys.
6: Practice, and I I second what Nate said. I found it useful too, Um, and I don't. Now that I think about what I was going to say, I don't think I want to say it. <laughs> I was going to su- ask if you had uh, done meta on yourself, but you said you spend the first 10 minutes of your session doing yeah. that. So another thing that I found, have found useful is sending meta to my sub-minds and parts of my body uh, if if uh, if my leg is hurting or my arm is hurting, I'll send Meta just to that part, or and then to all parts. Or uh, I get a real. Sometimes I get a strong reaction when I say to my subminds, "I love you guys," or uh, you know, uh, I just have the thought of sending Meta to my subminds, and that provokes a kind of a reaction within of ooh. Uh, uh, I don't know.
3: Can you elaborate on practically like what that means? Like my understanding of what you're saying is you maintain the the feeling of positivity or or, you know joyous intention in your heart. And then Go ahead. I don't
6: really get a strong feeling. Okay. uh, for me I work with intention. You know I it is my intention. That my sub minds be comfortable and happy and at peace.
3: So you're repeating the phrases uh, in your head as like an inner monologue while, while you're meditating, like, may my sub minds be happy or may my like be released from pain type, type deal or?
6: Yeah, like that. Okay. And sometimes it's as simple as just uh, not even may anything, but just equanimity, peace, health, comfort you know, just the qualities I want to intend for my subminds or my body or aspects of my life or other people or groups of people or whatever.
0: Okay. Another thing that might be useful uh, because I can totally relate with the the difficulty of generating the feeling. And sometimes to me at least repeating the, the words they might work, but sometimes they, they, they feel like empty. So I sometimes try to imagine something more physical. Like, uh, I, I imagine I'm hugging someone I don't really like. And that action, that bodily action of trying to hug someone you don't really like that for me generates a lot of, of aversion. And I, then I can notice, Oh, okay. Here are the, the aversions. And sometimes I do that even walking around. I see someone on the street, and I, I, I don't really like people in general, so I try to avoid them. But then I'm like, okay, I could go there and hug that person. And then I, I feel some kind of aversion, and with time, that, that softens. And I think, as Gilbert was saying, it's a continuum. And as you soften the, the hardest things, you get to walk towards the, the, the more, I don't know, the more blissful feelings that I particularly don't, don't get yet, but yeah, I think it, it, you can, you don't, don't necessarily need to, to be focusing on, oh, I have to generate this feeling, otherwise it, it is fake. Uh, you can just work at whatever you can work right now, and that sometimes just mean, that means uh, dealing with the aversion and the, uh, I don't know, the fact that you just like someone and you can move them from the hard to the neutral column
6: When the ahead, when the feeling of fakeness comes up, could you say yeah, I know this feels fake, but I'm doing my best and I'm gonna give myself credit for that?
1: That's a good idea. I, I should try that. Um
8: I was dealing with uh two decades of uh, clinical depression before I started seriously with meditation. And um, I think you you may also want to avoid uh, having the expectation of huge sort of firework explosions of emotions because um, I've made huge progress in sort of emotional expression and um, that kind of area. But it's still very contextual. Like I've had weird sits where like I find deep and overwhelming love for my next door neighbor and stuff but that's sort of weird one-off things um, and sometimes a lot of the time for for me even though i've made tons and tons and tons of progress on that meta is just this very fine little tingly vibration so you know it's it, you shouldn't necessarily go looking for like this overwhelming feeling of true love you know th- that stuff kind of comes out in the in my experience at least it comes out in the in the interaction with actual people you know or situations is still where that emotion is going to jump out not necessarily like you say the words and all of a sudden you're like oh i feel love and i'm amazing and all that stuff you know that's kind of gets into the distraction territory you know it's not very uh very meditative i guess so you know it's uh, if it's not that big it's not that huge a deal you know the the important stuff is um at least the way I've found is, um, you know, how do your interactions shift? You know, you, you set the intention, then you see someone and maybe there's a tiny little movement with how you treat yourself at some point or, um, or how you act with someone else. But, you know, maybe you don't uh, don't go looking for huge stuff. The, the one technical thing I might suggest that works that worked for me is really slowing down if you're using the words, because like with counting, you're counting and, um, you start, after a while, it just becomes automatic. You're not even thinking, but your brain is still counting, right? So just really go like one word at a time, whatever your phrase is, and really slow down and I'll even add pauses between each word and really see, you. and even see what physical sensations um, pop up. And then we can work with those physical sensations, just tiny little, little things that happen. That worked for me.
3: Yeah, it just occurred to me, actually, that that wanting to feel those feelings of loving positivity can almost be like a form of craving in and of itself, I guess, because you just, you want those feelings so badly. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm not experiencing this right now, so this this is not good. Yeah. Yeah.
8: And that that kind of craving almost, like with everything, it kind of prevents you from having them and you sort of, when you don't want them, that's when they pop up, (laughs) right? (laughs) The annoying thing, they're only there when you don't want them (laughs) and then you savor them and then they go away. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes yeah, time, but words. like I said... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, like I said, I, I was dealing with clinical depression for, for decades and it, it gets better. So give yourself patience.
3: Thank you.
0: The wording also makes a difference for me. And I've noticed that most of the meta meditation are very long. And sometimes when I am in the middle of them, I'm just not paying attention to the what I was feeling in the beginning. So I personally try to, to shorten it and do something more simple like, oh, may you be free from, from suffering and may you be happy. That's it. So that, for me at least, it's easier to maintain the, the relationship between the words and the feeling. Uh, so that can also help.
2: No. Well, and Rodrigo, you probably know this, but I mean, I'll throw, it out there. I'll throw this out there because it happened that some person, I was talking to another person who has had a problem with Meta, and then this actually not applies to people who had problem with Meta, but um, if by chance you speak more than one language and, you know, the language you're learning meditation is like English, um, you know, do the Meta in your mother tongue.
0: Yeah, do it in your yeah. first
2: language. Yeah, right? yeah. There is actually a
0: study about that, that people that uh, think in a, in a second language, they usually think more rationally. And I think that has something to do with not, not being an effective language in the sense you, you didn't grow up with that language and the emotions. Yeah. So yeah, I can notice that I, I try to do it in my, in my native language. Yeah. Because I, when I do it in English, it, it feels different.
7: Yeah, but if your second language is, a, is Klingon, it doesn't help all that much either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
3: actually have a practical question for you guys, too. Um, so when I do a, the TMI meditation, I usually do it for like an hour for a session. And when I try to do the meta meditation, my, in, in my, my intention is to just sit down for an hour and do meta. And I feel like, it just occurred to me that trying to do it, even though I'm less familiar with, with that practice, trying to do it for that at hour duration is probably turning me off from doing it, you know, consistently. So you guys when you're when you're doing an alternative practice you don't practice as much, like do you set like lower standards? Like how, how long would you would you set your sit for if you're doing meta and you're not like not as familiar with that?
2: So don't don't practice meta in an uncompassionate way. Like, oh,
3: you know, like I'm going to spend,
2: I'm going to spend, you know, 24 hours, I'm going to fast as I'm practicing meta, and I'm not going to get any sleep, and yeah, it's going to work, and maybe it could, like, it actually potentially could, but it also could, like, if if it could, you know, there's too much craving, striving, aversion, and then you just have a bad experience with it, and it just doesn't go anywhere, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is something you'll have to judge um, about, you know, how much, you meta practice like feels you know good you don't want you don't want to do too much right because if you do too much you'll you'll most you'll very likely again have a bad experience and then that'll be um add to aversion to the practice of meta yeah
6: so david you were talking about off the cushion practice earlier and something i've enjoyed is combining meta and off-the-cushion, or or doing meta in off-the-cushion context, so go to the grocery store, and everyone I see, I wish them to be happy and have a good day and uh, be free of suffering, and I get, sometimes I get strong feelings from that.
0: Yeah, and that is really nice with uh, what Colin said about improving the, the relationship and the actual day-to-day relationship. I think uh, maybe you could, I don't know, of course, you can also use meta during the, the formal session, but maybe you can use meta as an off-the-cushion method. And also, sometimes, for me at least, meta can also help with uh, distraction and dullness. So sometimes I, I, I'm meditating and I, I, I can see that my, my session is not going anywhere and I switch to meta and that helps also. So maybe do not try to, to do so much. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, a thing you have to experiment for yourself. But
3: Sure, I can definitely tell from listening to all of you that I feel like I'm putting it into this very clean clinical box uh, and I probably shouldn't like try to make it so cut and dry. I, I guess I, I feel this way because I listened to so many like Bonte's lectures, and he makes it seem as though um, this he he puts in the framework of like a similar practice almost to TMI, where you you can you know sit down and and for hours just doing meta practice is like a thing. And so I just that that's that that was my framework of, of like I guess initial understanding for it. So.
2: Well, and eventually you, you can get there. Right. But like, you don't start out there.
3: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Thank you guys for all your suggestions. Uh, It's been really good.
6: I'm going to drop off. Thank you all. I've enjoyed it.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank you. Any, any last burning questions or we'll probably actually at the end, is it uh, an hour, close to an hour and a half? No. No. Cool. Okay. Well, I guess I'll, I'll sign off, but yeah, it was good seeing everyone. And, uh, you know, well, hopefully we'll have Ted back and, uh, you know, but we'll see you all, I guess, uh, next, next week.
3: All right. I hope you guys have a good weekend. All right.
2: Take care. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. See you
1: guys.
3: Bye-bye.